Bones Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shatter, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome to the new era. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. Welcome in. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks. It's Wednesday afternoon. The Jaguars and the Arizona Cardinals coming up this Sunday at 1 o'clock at TIAA Bank Field. J.P. Shadrick, John Osier, and NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks. Here's what's coming up on the program today. Bucky and John, of course. That's Wednesday for you. Uh, looking ahead to week three against the Cardinals. A lot to go through. And this Jaguars defense will have its hands full this Sunday, we'll get a couple social media questions and our final thoughts ahead of this Sunday's game. Bucky, good afternoon. Bucky Brooks with us in Los Angeles. And uh, how you feeling uh, midway through this week? Well, I, well, I'm good. I'm optimistic. I'm uh, ready to turn the page on last week and move forward to this week. Week three, trying to get a win, trying to get a dub. Trying to get a dub, John. Well, I got to ask. That's fascinating because you're the first person I've talked to outside the organization who's optimistic. Why, Buck? What do you got? Well, I mean, any I'm given optimistic Sunday, too, but I want to hear you. Any, not nah, any given Sunday. You just don't know. Like, I think if the defense can continue to make strides and if we can kind of fix the offense, I think it gives it gives the team a chance. And I think that's all you're looking for. They they certainly can't play as poorly as they played on offense in back-to-back weeks. You would like to think that something will happen, something will change. And so this might be a, a perfect get-right game for them because the Cardinals may look at the Jaguars and just overlook them and kind of chalk it up as an easy win. Now I've gotten right, JP. Okay, right. okay good. Right, We're setting you straight, John. Uh, the Jaguars are back on the practice field today, this afternoon. In fact, starting prep for the Cardinals in Week 3. A couple injury updates. James O'Shaughnessy, the tight end, placed on injured reserve, a high ankle issue. He'll be out a number of weeks, it feels like. C.J. Henderson's trying to work through a hip issue. Trey Herndon trying to come back from a knee injury. He's missed the first couple weeks of the season inactive. And the Jags signed eighth-year cornerback Nevin Lawson today. Urban Meyer met with the media before practice this morning discussing what the team is missing and explaining the three most important things for any team. The number one thing that I've always, always worry about is making sure we have a really good locker room. The amount of time that's for 30 years or really – I've been head coach for probably almost 20 or something. That's always been number one of the point of emphasis is, first of all, quality people and and good uh, unity and guys sticking together, um, and they are. You know, I know the first two games haven't gone, and, and some of these guys have been part of this for a couple of years now, and it's like I love our locker room. I, our locker room, I just had a good talk with our team about it, and I see it on the sideline. I see it. I talk to the guys nonstop. Uh, number two is health of players, and I can see – you know, the sports performance model being a positive so far. I know we get little dings here and there, but for the most part, our guys are utilizing. And then the third thing is what brings your question up is the spark. You know, as uh, Michael Jordan once said in, in that documentary, is that Chicago Bulls struggled for years and years, and all they needed was a spark. And the spark happened to Mike, Michael Jordan, but not just him. He had a bunch of guys around him. And that spark, you know, that, that's a stepping in front of a ball, intercepting it, you know. It's a spark is what? A spark is a great player making a great play. And how do you do that? You, it's called competitive excellence. You do it in practice. You work it. and You work to put the players in those positions. Okay, Bucky, got to have that spark. Big plays from big players. Game-changing moments. How do you find that for this Jaguars team? 
You know, I don't know if Urban Meyer can find it, but I think the players have to discover it. Someone has to make a play. And, you know, as much as we talk about this game being about the X's and O's, it's really about the Jimmys and Joes. And it's about players. And it's about coaches putting players in a position to make plays. But then the players ultimately have to make those plays. So someone on offense and on defense and in the kicking game, they have to make a game-changing play, something that sparks the sideline, kind of creates the energy on the field that you want to see, and then it leads to some confidence. And typically those things are contagious, just like turnovers come in bunches, big plays come in bunches. It takes someone making the first one. And typically after that, they kind of come in droves. So we just need to see someone make a play, and then after that, other guys will start making plays as well. Yeah, I want some droves, JP. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, bunches. That's yeah. number one on my to-do list, uh, droves this weekend. I mean, it, it's uh, – you know, to me, Bucky, if they could get a lead and hold it for a few series or into the second half, then I think the big plays come. I, I think I've always theorized one reason that teams don't get turnovers – is when they're in bad situations to get them. So when you fall behind and you're not mm -hmm. able to rush the passer because the other team's running the ball, always significantly takes that down. To me, something's got to happen this weekend early. Something's, you know, and I get they had an early lead the other day, but then it kind of fell off. They need some momentum. They need to get maybe a double-digit lead, an interception, something, get up, and then maybe those, you know, the droves you're talking about will come. Uh, I just think it's a tough task against Kyler Murray this weekend. No, I, th I think, John, I, th I think you're on to something, right? This is a team that needs to play from in front. And the reason why they need to play from in front is because I don't care what anyone says. When you've lost, whatever, 16 or 17 games in a row, you feel the weight of that on the sideline. And the longer that you're behind, the more you have the, oh, no, here we go again, that kind of permeates not only the field but the stadium. And so for the Jaguars, it would be nice to see them jump out to a 14-0 lead where they can play from in front and dictate the terms. As you point to the turnovers, the turnovers do happen when the other team is chasing points because now you get to pin your ears back as a pass rusher. Now your defensive, your defensive backfield, they're laying off and beginning to kind of play and feast off those tips and overthrows due to the pressure getting after the quarterback. But it's hard to play great defense or opportunistic defense when the game is even or you're behind or you're behind. It's just one of those things that the Jaguars have to find a way to get out to a fast start, and then they can kind of do some of the things that they want to do defensively. Yeah, you do wonder, JP. It was 15 in a row to start the season. Now it's 17. Yeah. You know, in, in the offseason, the 15 in a row wasn't talked about a whole lot because there was so much. It was a new, it was a yeah. new year, all that but stuff. But now yeah. that it's, you know, there's two more under this regime, it's not about the past regime, meaning the 15 doesn't belong to this bunch but now it's going to sort of be nationally you're going to see graphics mm -hmm. uh you hope that they can get out of this before that starts to become a constant thing this year uh it feels like it's starting to get constant with the national media sure. and with that so because uh, the closer they get to that record yeah it's, it's just, just going to happen a and then like bucky said you wonder if it will sort of uh, permeate or start weighing on them uh, you know, it'd be nice to get one, you know, obviously Sunday or the next couple before that starts becoming a thing because, it, as I was getting to, it's not right that it should be a thing on this bunch. Yeah. 
but it'll happen. Yeah, it could. Yeah, and um, let's just hope that they uh, nip that in the bud, if you will, uh, very soon in the next week or two. Let's hear from the quarterback. Trevor Lawrence spoke with the media today. It's a small margin for error in the NFL. Tight windows to throw the ball into, and it's an adjustment for it. Everyone's just better, and it's especially like technique and fundamentally, like the corners are so much better. There's not as much separation. Um, like you see, even the touchdown to Marv, like there wasn't a ton of separation. When, when I threw it, there was no separation. Then Marvin did a good job of, you know, making making a play at the end and separating a little bit. But that's just the way it is. And uh, for me, I'm still, still just got to keep getting used to that and being more accurate. I think that's the main thing is giving my guys a chance, being more accurate consistently. Um, but... I mean, I, I kind of knew everyone was going to be better when I, when I got here. So that's not, it's nothing new, really, as far as that goes. I've always had that mindset. Um, but everyone's just better, so there's not as much room for error. So if there's a play where you're a little bit off, it's an incompletion. It's not a catch. So all those little things add up. There's not many guys just running wide open in the National Football League, and I think he's starting to, to figure that out. And it certainly hasn't been the case so far for the Jaguars, Bucky. But in general here, uh, that touchdown to Marvin Jones, a lot of plays will look like that in the NFL, hip to hip running down the sideline. Yeah, hip to hip running down the sideline. And that, you know, one of the reasons why I'm talking about quarterbacks being $40 million guys, because in the National Football League, this much space is wide open. And so you're paying quarterbacks to be able to fit it into those tight windows. And so what Trevor Lawrence is learning is how much different the pro game is from the college game. You talked about him seeing wide open guys rarely having to throw contested, uh, making contested throws in college. When the pro game, every throw is typically challenged. And so you have to be more precise. The ball placement matters more than it does in the college game because not only do you have to get it away from defenders, but you're also sending signals to the receiver where to turn and run. So as he becomes more comfortable with the speed and the urgency that he sees from NFL defenses, he will adapt and adjust. And what everyone has to do is find a way to be patient with him while also lightening the load on the young quarterback. Because second game, third game in his NFL career, Trevor Lawrence should not be tasked with carrying the entire Jaguars offense. So that's not only everybody picking up their play around him, but that's also on the coaches to make the game as easy as they can for him to be comfortable and to be able to flourish. Yeah, I guess not much should amaze me anymore. I've been doing this a long time, but I, I, I've been amazed at how quick people are to jump on, well, he's struggling, what's wrong with him, the comparisons. And I get that it's there. I'm not naive. But come on, it, it's week two. It is week two, JP. You know what week it is, JP? It's, it's week, week two. three now, yeah. Well, it, it, it's week three. <laughs> it, but uh, to Bucky's point, the interception the other day, uh, the first one to uh, Farrell, in college that's a fine play. Yep. You, you know, the safety doesn't get over there that fast. He can, you know, he delayed probably a half a second too long, turns into a pick. Those are the learning curves. And, it, you know, we've been talking about it all week. Everybody's talking about him checking down, checking down. JP, I don't, I don't necessarily want him checking down that much. I know he's got to, but you got to balance that. Don't take away this kid's instinct to look downfield. That's part of what's going to make him great. Um, I think he's got to be careful balancing that, Buck, don't you? Yeah. I mean, he has to be careful balancing. But so here's the thing with, with Trevor and, and why the first two weeks have been really, really difficult. One, he's going against two really good defensive coordinators. We can talk about Lovey Smith and his failures uh, at Illinois. But in the National Football League, he's been the architect of some top-rated defenses. Vic Fangio, 
Everyone understands what the Denver Broncos like to do. They like to confuse you, complex defenses, changing coverage, post-snap, being able to move around and kind of show illusions to the quarterback. That is very, very challenging for any young quarterback. And so when we talk about him checking it down and understanding it, it's being able to be aggressive while also being disciplined. And the discipline has to come from, hey, I don't know if I can fit it in there. Let me take the check down and get these three and four yards so we can stay on schedule. He has to learn how to play quarterback. And a quarterback in the National Football League is sometimes taking what the defense gives you, and two, you can have an opportunity to cash in one of those lottery tickets when a defender falls asleep. Boy, the last couple of years around here, we've been three, four, five years. Can we get a guy that can push the ball down the field and we finally might have one? And, There's a lot of truth. Yeah. I got an email this week. I'm taking a break. I got an email this week. Uh, talking about, oh, Trevor's completion rate is so low. Give me, I mean, this can't continue forever. I get it. He's got to make better decisions overall forever. Yes. But give me the guy who's willing to look downfield over the 85% completion rate when they're all two yard passes. I've seen that, I've lived that. <laughs> you know, uh, give me this kid who has the arm and the inclination to keep his eyes downfield. You can work out the rest. All right, guys. Let's come back in a moment. Plenty ahead. We'll flip it around to Jaguars defense. We heard from Rayshon Jenkins today, Jaguars safety. And we'll get his thoughts about the Arizona Cardinals offense, second in the league in yardage coming in and a second in the league in scoring so far through two weeks. The uh, Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks show is brought to you by Fields Cadillac of Jacksonville and Fields Cadillac St. Augustine. Members of the Fields Auto Group, and this is Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. Bunch of weapons, just a bunch of weapons, a bunch of guys who can win their one-on-ones, a bunch of guys who can make plays in space. So I feel like a big key for this game is just really tackling in space and um, not letting, you know, a six, seven, eight-yard game turn into a 60-yard game. No doubt about that. That's Rayshon Jenkins, the Jaguars' safety. And welcome back to Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Ozier, and NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks. You know, who would know about tackling in space would be Rayshon Jenkins. He has 12 tackles. They're all solo tackles this year. No assists for Rayshon coming up in uh, support. And it is a tall task this week. We touched on it briefly, but Kyler Murray is among the league leaders in a few passing categories early in the season. Seven touchdown passes. He can do it with his legs also, Bucky. A couple on the ground, one in each game this year. A former number one overall pick, it seems to be at least starting to come into his own in the National Football League. And he has so many weapons outside to throw it to. He can run around and extend the play. And uh, we could talk about Kyler Murray for another hour if we wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. Kyler Murray is really playing at an MVP level. When you go and dig into the numbers, Kyler Murray is completing 72% of his passes. He has a combined 740 pass and rush yards. He has nine pass and rush touchdowns and a pass rating of 121.5. Of the last 10 MVP quarterbacks, JP, he's ahead of them in completion percentage, total yards, touchdowns, and passer rating. So when we talk about a special player coming into the stadium this weekend, I mean, you talk about being able to face, I mean, a guy who is on a crazy pace for a single season. Jaguars really have to step their game up this week to slow down the MVP candidate. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you the thing that beyond all the numbers, to me, this guy is, you know, and you're going to laugh when I say it, but he's Tyrod Taylor on steroids. And mm. obviously he's better than Tyrod Taylor. Right. But I keep thinking about the opener when the Jaguars defense played pretty good and two or three plays where Tyrod Taylor extends it and then throws it up deep. Uh, this team's been very susceptible to the deep pass. Uh, you're always susceptible to a quarterback who can run around and buy time. Uh, Kyler Murray does everything else well, too, and he can do that. Uh, you can easily see him buy in six, seven seconds, and it's like Rayshon Jenkins was, last, was asked today, what if you have to cover for six, seven seconds? And at the end of the press conference, Rashawn said, look, I'm not going to lie to you. We're going to have to do that at some point. And they're going to make big plays at some point. The key to me for this game is those things are going to happen. You're probably going to give up, you know, 14 points worth of big plays to this Mm -hmm. guy. Uh, When you have the opportunity, and the one thing about Kyler Murray, look at his stats over his career and this year, three interceptions he's thrown. He will give you an opportunity to catch the ball, catch his passes if you're on defense. To me, they must take advantage of that and turn one of those into points. He wins games where he throws interceptions. Well, so it doesn't guarantee you anything, but they don't have a chance to me this weekend, the Jaguars, unless they take advantage of the times when he throws them the ball, and he will. Look, he, he, he absolutely will. And I think one of the things to look at is when you look at uh, the next-gen stats on Kyler Murray versus the Blitz, because Joe Cullen wants to bring up – he wants to bring the pressure – Kyler Murray has torched the Blitz in 2021. He is averaging 17.1 yards per attempt versus the Blitz, three touchdowns, no interception, and a almost perfect passer rating, 155.154.9. So this is a deal where if you're Joe Cullen, you have to figure out, do we rush or do we cover? If we cover, he can run around all day in the back end and maybe scoot out and run. But if we blitz him, we're susceptible to the big play. This is what do you do, Buck? <laughs> well, come on, Scott. What do you do, Buck? How do you how do you? Hey, man, you got to you got to mix in both of them. You got to figure out a, you got to figure out a way to, to go after him. You got to figure out a way to use what we call simulated pressures, where it looks like you're bringing more than four, but you're only rushing four and dropping seven back in coverage. Um, the number one thing that the Jaguars must do to change the way Kyler Murray plays, they need to hit him, and when you hit him, he tends to change. Uh, like most quarterbacks. And so if you want to get interceptions and those things, you have to find a way to penetrate the pocket and you got to find a way to knock them down. They use – they have a – yeah, that's a handful, by the way. Um, they have a lot of weapons out there on the outside. We saw some of the highlights just a moment ago. Uh, you know, Rondell Moore is actually the leading target uh, – leading targeted receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, leads the team in receptions. Uh, leads the team in yardage. But a lot of that is, at least that we just saw, is like the pop pass before the snap, motion, jet sweep kind of things. And then, you know, he had a long gainer last week. He was just wide open and he threw it kind of a scrambled play and threw it down the field. They left him open. But Rondale Moore, I brought him up to Urban Meyer last night, Bucky, on the Urban Meyer show. And uh, that 2018 loss to Purdue, I don't think Urban has gotten over <laughs> yet. Uh, because Rondale Moore torched uh, Ohio State in that game and gave uh, the Buckeyes their only loss of the year. That cost them a shot at the playoff and a national title that year. But Moore had 12 catches in that game. He's off to a great start. A rookie, a second-round pick out of Purdue, five foot seven, but uh, can really be a problem in this offense, Bucky. Yeah, he can be a problem because he can do a lot of different things, right? He's a guy that you just want to get it to him. Uh, fly sweeps, jet sweeps in the backfield. You want to hand it to him, make him, make him 
uh, allow him to make his mark. And then in the passing game, quick option routes, bubble screens, things that get it into his hands fast. So he can turn those three-yard gains into four and five, five to ten, those kinds of things. But once again, before we even talk about defending the personnel on the outside, we got to make sure we get them in the right pecking order. <laughs> However we rank them, you know, when, when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, we have to figure out the best way to neutralize those guys and which guys are you okay having big games if it comes to that. And so it's a tough decision, but Jaguars can't stop everybody. So who are you willing to allow them to have when you're trying to take away DeAndre Hopkins and maybe some of the other guys? So what's your priority list then? I mean, who, who cannot you, who we cannot let this guy beat us today? Man, it's tough, right? So DeAndre Hopkins can accumulate a bunch of yards, but not necessarily the, the quote-unquote big plays. I got to make sure that the others are contained. I don't want anyone to kind of come out of nowhere to hurt us with a 100-yard game. So let's make sure we take care of the other guys. Make this team have to rely on DeAndre Hopkins making a ton of plays, but let's make him rely on him making a ton of plays against blitz pressure. So can Kyler Murray find his favorite target while running around in the pocket? Because if he does that, then he has a chance. But if they don't have any inkling or any idea to how to slow this uh, juggernaut down, you can forget about it because they'll never be able to generate enough points to catch up. And don't forget about the tight end, too. I mean, he put up a big game last week <laughs> for the Cardinals also. He's an option that's been historically an issue for the Jags defense. Yeah, I think what Bucky said sort of rang a bell. Uh, to me, this is a game where Jaguars offense is going to have to keep pace. It's an outscore you game. Because I don't know if it's realistic to think you're going to hold the Cardinals to 17. Uh, maybe you will, but historically – statistically they don't do that I guess the question for me is you know can the Jaguars offense hit the big plays that Urban talked about them just barely missing last week they certainly feel like they're closer after the Broncos game than they were against the Texans in terms of generating points offensively uh can they hit those plays that they couldn't hit last time can they put the points on the board can Lambeau hit field goals uh you're gonna have to tally some points I'd say above 25 to win this game. Jaguars haven't done that yet. Yeah, that's true. Got to kind of keep pace, it feels like, with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, let's come back in a moment. Social media questions right around the corner. And the Daily's play schedule is heating up. It's red hot, in fact, this week. 3-11 coming up tonight at Daily's Place. My guys. You're going? No. You're not going. Counting Crows, uh, September 23rd. That's tomorrow. Coheed and Cambria. That would be what, Friday? Yes. Uh, AJR on the 1st, Brothers Osborne on October 2nd, dailiesplace.com for tickets. Santana was very good last night, John. That's what you said. I, I would have liked to have seen Santana because I'm an old man, and he's an old man. So he's 74. He played yeah, two hours, 10 minutes straight without an intermission. Yeah, he's uh, obviously yeah, and a, uh, great. He's a legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, he was fantastic. So uh, check it out. Back with more in a moment. A tunnel up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. We got a great team. I love the locker room. I think we're everyone gels, um, get along great. Everybody works their butt off. But I will say, obviously, you don't want to be 0 2 this time. You'd rather have won at least one game, hopefully two. But I know we're getting better, and I know that's like frustrating for people out there. And it's frustrating for us too. Like we want to win. You know, we're we're here every day working our tail off to get better. We want to win. But I can feel it's getting better, and the morale 
still really good. We just got a we got a great culture and a good good environment here, and uh, it's it's gonna take a little time, but we're getting there. It's a quarterback, of course, Trevor Lawrence today, getting ready for the week three matchup, the Jags and the Cardinals at the bank this Sunday, one o'clock. Be there. Tickets at jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. And it is time now for social media questions. We've got a couple today, Bucky, for you. Uh, let's go to question number one and get us started today on Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks at the underscore Jags fan 615. Bucky, after two weeks, the O-line has only allowed two sacks based on Trevor's low completion percentage. We have to give him credit for just getting the ball out to help these guys, right? Hashtag wise beyond his years. I don't know if this is sarcastic <laughs> or what this is. Uh, I mean, I don't know if we give him credit because uh, he only has two sacks, but I think it's a combination of the routes that have been called, Trevor trying to be, um, I guess, aggressive in terms of getting it out. Um, however, you want to see the completion percentage go up. Like, we need to see more efficiency from the passing game. Hopefully they can run it because typically the big plays come when you run the ball and orchestrate things in the passing game off play action. We need to see that combination somehow work together to get more production. I think the question has a has a point. I didn't read it sarcastic. Maybe it was. Okay. But I do think Trevor has awareness and, and uh, gets the ball out uh, quickly enough that it helps. He doesn't run himself into sacks. He doesn't hold the ball unnecessarily long. So I do think that's a positive. Uh, and the completion percentage, again, I think that's low because he's he's throwing the ball downfield more than he's throwing it short. Uh, so I think a lot of guys who have you know a lot of checkdowns are going to have a higher completion percentage. It's got to get better, but I guess I just don't worry about that being low for very long. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a career-long trend for him. All right, let's move along. Uh, go ahead, Bucky. You were about to say something, I think. No, I agree with you. I think people are really on Trevor Lawrence about the completion percentage and the passer rating and all of the struggles that we've seen the first couple of weeks, but he's a rookie quarterback. I think if he's still playing like this the last half of the season, then you're concerned. But I think the transition is different. And oh, by the way, typically you earn the number one pick because you don't have everything in place. It's still a work in progress, you know? And so just get, be patient. Number 16 and be all right. All right. Well, uh, JP, yeah. he could easily fix that if he wanted to. If he wanted to come out on Sunday and throw 35 four-yard passes and take no chances. <laughs> right. No, I mean, sure. if he wants to fix that, if he's worried about that, he could go fix it. I don't think he will. Mm. I think he'll continue to try to get better within the context of his game and the way he plays, which is what he should do. So don't be Charlie checked out. Charlie checked out. <laughs> Not good. Not good for business. Let's move on to our next question, the uh, grand reveal ruin. That's my bad. Uh, Evanoff Joel, at what point will we see the running game become a priority in this offense? Even when we were in the game against Denver, we passed too much, 33 passes, 16 rushes. Do you see this pass-to-run ratio changing anytime soon? It needs to change. It has to change. And the only way it's going to change is if Coach Meyer goes into the coach's offices and said, I want to see more run, and I want to see us hit 25 to 30 on the attempts mark. Sometimes gameplay will change what you want to do, but the running game has to be featured prominently. And I'm not saying run it on first, second, and throw on third down, but you have to give the other guys an opportunity to get involved. I understand the fascination with Trevor Lawrence. I think it's clear that he is the most talented player on offense, but right now he might not be the best player. So let's look at what 
James Robinson is doing? Is there someone else that can alleviate some of this load on him while he is becoming more comfortable and acclimated to the National Football League? It has to be others. And so I won't blame the players. I'm going to say this is on the coaches. The coaches have to figure out a way to stay with the run even when it's not producing at the level that they wanted to early in the game. Yeah, I agree to a point. I I think the runs the other day could have been, what was it, 16? I think yeah. it could have been up around 20, 21 maybe. Uh, when you only run 50 plays and you're down uh, double digits in the second half, uh, I thought the incredible discrepancy on Sunday was more because they didn't get any plays in the second half. You know, so, mm -hmm. uh, or at all. I mean, 50 plays is not very many in the NFL. No, I mean, they had five minutes of possession in the first quarter. Yeah, like, so oh, I, I thought that had a little bit to do with it. But you, and I thought in the second quarter of that game the other day, there were a few times, maybe a few drives right in there where they got to second and three, second and two, and then thought to themselves, okay, we're in this situation where play action can work now. And they got away a little bit of it at a couple of times. Mm -hmm. But I think they want to run. I just think it's, it's been hard to get to it the way the games have been played out to the extent that everybody wants. So maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe they'll keep throwing all over the yard just because. But I just don't sense that that's what they want to do. No, I don't think they want to do it. I think it's easy, though, like because Trevor Lawrence is a shiny new toy, right? And so when you're a play designer, uh, you're Daryl Bevel. I always throw in Brian Schottheimer because they have to be in uh, cahoots. It's easy to think about, man, here's what we can do. Because we've all been there to practice field and seen Trevor put some wild throws together. It's easy to kind of put the cart ahead of the horse in terms of, hey, man, we want to get to this. We want to be able to throw it and let's put him in this situation. And we forget that he only has two NFL games under his belt. And he didn't have a full preseason based on how the old model was. I think this is one where as you're the play caller, you have to be a little more disciplined in terms of I'm not abandoning the run. I have to, even if I have to eat some of these negative plays, I have to continue to put up these attempts because the attempts are eventually going to lead to success because now we're going to be able to play action after they're aware and cognizant of the running game. JP, you know yes. what I can't wait for? What's that? I can't wait until this weekend when they have 26 rushes and 24 passes. And our social media questions are why they're running so much. That's right. So what is I can't be. wait. There's for that. no doubt. That's what's coming. That's exactly what's coming. You got the number one pick. Why don't you use them? <laughs> are they holding Lawrence back? Right. Right. Oh, come on. But you know, we did a season ticket member event last night with uh, James Robinson, like a virtual autograph thing. We got to visit with James a little bit, and the, some of the season ticket members were on there, and you know, the mm -hmm. conversation came to that. Yeah, and you, you know, he's always a humble guy. He's never gonna throw any coaches or players or any of that on the bus but you can kind of tell like you know i think he's ready to get rolling sure. it's just a matter of getting the ball because remember how many times he ran the football he was the only running back who touched the ball a lot of games and they're just handing in the football when everybody knows it's coming and they couldn't really do anything else in the passing game so he's used to getting 25 carries at least a game and he's not getting a lot of that i think that'll come though it's just a matter of being patient, and patient he is. He's not going to really press the issue too much. But you can tell, Bucky, okay, once he gets going, he might be a little different body type now after a year in the league. That would help him too. Yeah, it's about trust, right? And so the trust comes from uh, the offensive coordinator and the offensive coach, and it's feeling like James Robinson can be a guy that can be a difference maker when you put the ball in his hands. Also, it comes from Urban Meyer being able to look at him and say, hey, let's make sure that we give him the ball 
18 to 20 times on the ground. Yes, you can mix in some passes, but there's difference in touches and rushing attempts. When you get rushing attempts, it feeds to the toughness that you're trying to create in terms of building your brand as a team. And so when Urban Meyer talks about a tough physical team, you have to run the ball and run the ball between the tackles. You have to make them put the big boy pads on and deal with James Robinson. And so it takes a commitment from Meyer, Schottenheimer, Bevel. Those guys have to be committed to running the football. And it might mean elevating Robinson into the number one role on the game plan as opposed to being the complimentary player backing up Trevor Lawrence as Trevor Lawrence is being the guy that they're running the offense through. There you have it. The social media questions are in. Thank you for the submissions today. And we're back in a moment with our final thoughts. We'll hear from Urban Meyer one more time from his press conference today and get you ready for week number three. Remember to subscribe to the official Jaguars podcast network on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. Give us that five-star rating and a comment. And it's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars digital network. Of course, it's different in college. I get that. I'm not trying, trying to equate the two, but you take over a team that was one and ten. You take over a team that was six and seven. You take over a team that was five and seven. You take over whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. It's really it's really really hard. And I knew it's going to be hard, but like I said, my focus is on what. I'm not worried about what happened here last year, year before. I'm worried about the locker room. How's our locker room going? Our locker room's fantastic. How's the chemistry on the team? Fantastic. How's the relationship amongst the coaching staff? Fantastic. Just working your, you know, what's off. And that's all I'm concerned about. That's Urban Meyer today. Asked, you know, how is it, how difficult is it to turn it around when, or learn how to win when half the roster has been involved in a bunch of losses? There's your answer right there from the Jaguars head coach. Final moments of Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks today. Uh, by the way, the Hall of Fame announced their nominees for the 2022 class today. And three Jaguar names are on there. Tony Vaselli, Jimmy Smith, and Fred Taylor all nominated. So uh, that's a good first step, at least. And now the next steps are the big ones, of course. Getting the semifinalists and then the uh, top 15 finalists in January. That's when you get in the room uh, on Super Bowl weekend. And uh, let's hope this is the year for Tony. And well, Fred Taylor's been in the semifinalist list uh, once before. Uh, Jimmy Smith quite hasn't cracked that level yet, but maybe, you know, once one maybe goes, John, then the rest might follow. Yeah, I mean, I I guess there's a little bit of an element of, I think Tony gets in this year, and then once he gets in, uh, maybe there's more of a push for Fred. Although I think there is a push for Fred, and I've always been of the belief that once Fred, quote, gets in the room, I think he'll get from 25 to 15 at some point, once he gets in the room and the voters start looking back at the things he did on the field, all you got to go, you, you do is go to YouTube. I don't know if the voters go and watch until they actually get in the room. Uh, his best is about as good as there's been in the last 30 years. Oh, we lost Bucky. We will uh, get back. Uh, oh, there he is. <laughs> All right, no, I, th- I think about when I think about Fred, I, th- I think about Edron James just getting in. And I think Edron James provides a bit of a blueprint for Fred to get in. I think it took a while for people to really appreciate Edron James' greatness, just like it has taken play- viewers, 
fans time to appreciate what Fred Taylor brought to the table. But he was a dominant running back during his time. And when he was in his prime, I don't know if there were many that were better. And so you would like to think in time he'll get his opportunity, just like with Tony and Jimmy. All right, guys, final thoughts here. Got to find a spark on offense, (laughs) actually on defense, too. How about somewhere, a spark on both sides of the ball? They got it on special teams last week with the kickoff return late, but just couldn't finish the rally a week ago. Uh, and then, you know, they're, they're playing against one of the, the best offenses in football through two weeks, John. Yeah. It, margin for error has been talked a lot about around a lot around here the last couple of weeks. This is a small margin for error for a game. To me, if you drop interceptions, if you don't catch the ball given the opportunity, or if you miss a big play, if, if uh, DJ Chark breaks open and uh, Trevor misses him, uh, you're not going to get a whole lot of those. If, if if you hit all those, then you've got a chance. you got a chance to keep pace. But this is a game where the offense needs 30, and so far it hasn't done that. And you got to figure they've got to hit their opportunities when they're there to get to that number. Yeah, and, and thinking about a spark, uh, one of the things that I believe the Jaguars will probably consider, I wouldn't be surprised to see them play with more tempo. I know you don't necessarily want to get in a shootout with Arizona, but I think this has to be one where you think about what is best for your team and your quarterback. And what I've seen from the quarterback in three years at Clemson, they played at a quick pace, a tempo. They had some easy layups built into the offense. They need to bake some of these things into the Jaguars' offense to get the quarterback going. Because once he gets going, the energy and the crowd in the stadium will get the rest of the team going. But I think everyone on the team understands how special Trevor could be. Now it's on the coaching staff to give him an opportunity to be special. And maybe you need to find a way to jumpstart it by playing a little quicker, a little faster, even though you don't want to get to a track meet with this team. All right. There you have it. Our final thoughts are in. Bucky, have a great rest of the week. We'll talk to you on pregame Sunday. Let's do it. Bucky Brooks out of here. John Osier out of here also. Joe Fortunato on audio, Brent Reber on the video side. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Thank you for watching. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network.